Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. Training camp is finally here. We are through the first week of Jets training camp for the 2022 season. I'm Matt, I know you're as excited as I am to finally get through the summer break, start talking about some actual football in the very near future. Oh, my God, am I? We just get, finally got through that slog of a period of time where there's just absolutely nothing. So I'm so happy to actually have something to talk about for once. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we finally get to not speculate and we finally get to talk about things that are actually happening and in reality. And the first uh, big domino to fall of training camp, which fell a lot faster than maybe people anticipated, <laughs> was the offensive tackle situation got sorted out pretty much on the first day. Uh, and Robert Sala came out and said, George Fan is our left tackle. Makai is going to be our right tackle. Uh, and that's the way it is. And they're going to go through camp working at those positions respectively. And overall, I know we both agree here. This is the best case scenario for how this could have gone, because now they have the rest of training camp to get comfortable at their spot. It really is. And it, in hindsight, it's really the only way it should have happened. Because uh, yeah. I think we speculated before about having these guys switch on and off at left tackle uh, to see who would be best at that position. But it, it really just made no sense. And it just delayed the whole uh, cohesion of the offensive line and the gelling together process. Uh, so, yeah, this is pretty much the only way it could have happened. Uh, and it's really great to see Beckton on the field. I just really wish we could see Fant. Uh, hopefully I, uh, we should be seeing more of Fant this week. Uh, when pads come on. Yeah, uh, we're through the first week of training camp practice. No pads, as we've seen. Monday uh, will be when you guys are hearing this Monday morning. Uh, they will have the pads coming on for the first day officially. The rest of the training camp practices will be padded as things get ready towards the season. And we'll start getting some different impressions on how the team looks, especially the offensive and defensive linemen when that happens. But biggestly for Becton, uh, as you mentioned, he's, he appears to be in shape. He's performing in drills. He passed his physical. He's on the field more than Fant right now. And for, you know, Fant was the guy that played all of last year and not Makai. And Makai's able to come back and seems to be handling his conditioning, getting back into working, uh, working order. And the longer he has to get settled at uh, right tackle, the better. And going beyond just Fant and Becton, you had mentioned the continuity for the group as a whole. And that really is important because now you have both of the guards, Elijah Vera Tucker and Lakin Tomlinson. Vera Tucker's in a new spot, but he's still communicating with Becton like he had been through all of training camp last year. Things are just flipped where he's not having to communicate with somebody else at tackle and somebody different at center. He's still got the same two guys next to him, just in a different role. Lakin Tomlinson gets to build continuity with McGovern and Fant and his spot on the left side, and they get to spend all of camp together. And the whole unit's communication and how everyone is going to play off of each other is just going to be improved overall the longer they get to do it together. So this really is the best thing that could have happened. I really don't see any downside in this. It really is. Uh, and yeah, AVT and Beckton have a little bit of a head start on Lakin and, and Fant. Uh, that will have to come in, in due time. Uh, and from 
the looks of things just from the the few reps that I've seen so far. Uh, AVT looks like he's taken to it right away. Uh, he looks in midseason form. He's really fast off the ball. Uh, he's got great motion moving to the second level with ease. Uh, Becton looks like to be expected. Like he hasn't really played that much uh, in in a year. So uh, uh, and maybe actually even longer than than a year. So it's it's going to take some time for him to get into game shape. Uh, I don't think we should expect him to be in that shape right now. Uh, I think that's unrealistic. Uh, He's in shape for sure, but he's definitely just not there. It's just a step slow, uh, but not to worry that will come in due time. Yeah. And there's a difference between in physical shape and playing shape and to expect him to be in playing shape after the amount of time that he's been away from the field and practices and conditioning and all of that. I mean, it's just unrealistic, like you said, and that's why training camps exist. That's why they have practices this long in advance and you have a preseason of games that don't matter to give these players time to ramp up and get acclimated to the contact. It's not like any other sport where it's this level of physicality where you have to acclimate your body to taking the hits after you've been away for so long and you got to get used to being hit again and get into that's when they say get into playing shape. That's what it means. So it's going to take some time for Becton um, to get back into shape for a guy like him himself that's so powerful and so strong and so physical to start with these practices right now with him not being in pads, it's almost unfair to judge anything against him considering where he's coming from, from the injury, from the conditioning standpoint, as well as not having pads on, he's got everything going against him right now. So I'm, I'm not expecting all-star results. If we were getting all-star results from Mekhi Becton right now, then I'd be expecting an all pro season incoming. And that's not realistic for a guy who had his injury. It really isn't. And he's not the only one. Uh, the same could be said for Lawson. He's kind of had a slow start, right? Uh, especially when the rest of the defensive line is really feasting out there uh, on this offensive line in transition. Uh, it's because Idoga's kind of been holding him at bay. And you don't really think of Idoga being able to hold somebody like Lawson uh, at, at, uh, at, at ease. So it's, you would sure hope not. You would sure hope not. So I feel like it's going to be the same thing for Lawson. He's just, he's in shape for sure. You, every, you can just look at the guy and you see what kind of a physical specimen he is. Uh, but at the same time, he's just not in game shape. Uh, so the two of them are just going to have to ramp it up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they absolutely are. Um, and, and this is the interesting thing I wanted to talk about. I've been saving this for the show. I haven't even talked to you about this yet, but I went back and looked because I thought about it recently and I want to highlight AVT, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and, and how versatile he's been throughout his career, quite literally going all the way back to practically high school. So this will be another year for Elijah Vera Tucker where he's moving positions and he's moved positions every year in an off season since about 2018. So redshirt, uh, he starts as a redshirt freshman when he gets to USC in 2017, doesn't play much as a backup right guard, comes in, is a, a reserve player who gets some action in 2018 at right guard. And that's the last time he spent two years in the same spot. The year after that, he moves over to left guard at 2019. He plays left tackle in 2021 or in 2020. He goes back to left guard in uh, 2021. And now he's at right guard in 2022. That's four straight years of flipping positions on the offensive line. That's four straight years of, of having to reset your body, reset your calls, reset your keys and adjustments and your technique and everything that goes into playing a different position. And now he's going back to the other side of the line where before he was just going between tackle and guard on the same side. Now he's flipping sides, but staying at guard. This guy's had no continuity in his career. He's had no ability to just sit in one spot and improve and and get the fundamentals and basics down of one position and master it and then work on everything else. He hasn't gotten that opportunity since he first basically set foot on USC's campus. He's going to get that now going forward. I don't think Elijah Vera Tucker is going to move to left guard when Lakin Tomlinson is or isn't on the team in the near future as he only signed a three-year contract and he was already closer on the other side of 30 uh, as an above 30 year old anyway. So unless Lakin Tomlinson's an all-star are, we shouldn't really be expecting him to be playing left guard for us and starting at 35 years old. That said, I don't think AVT is then going to bounce back over to left guard. Once he gets in that spot, mm-hmm. I think he's going to get in his spot at right guard and he's going to be a stalwart there 
for however many years in the future he wants because he's finally going to get the ability to stay in, in the same position. And I wish he could have gotten that chance overall, you know, and not had his rookie year kind of taken away development wise at left guard, but looking for the future and looking for how this offensive line can grow with AVT, with Makai at right tackle, um, with Fant, who's still younger and still has some years ahead of him. There's some guys that could hone in their spots and really secure these roles for years to come. And I think it's going to help all of them and no more so than AVT. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Some guys just look like they're very comfortable with switching spots. Uh, the AVT, just watching him at USC, just bouncing from inside to outside right, and all over the place. He, he just looked comfortable. He, he just looks like the kind of guy. It's like, you want me to do this? Okay, I'll do that. And he does it. And I, I've seen it the last year or this uh, past draft in guys like Zion Johnson and Cole Strange, the, uh, some other guys that just look natural. Uh, the Jets drafted one, Max Mitchell. And Max Mitchell. Yeah, him too. Uh, so I, I, I love the fluidity of these guys, but if we look back to even last year when our tackles started getting hurt, uh, we even discussed, I think, a little bit about AVT bouncing outside to tackle. Yeah, in a disaster if, scenario. In a disaster scenario, and they did not do it. They wanted to keep him at guard. Uh, so I think that and they didn't even move him to the right guard when they were having troubles there either. So it's it's kind of... Uh, it kind of shows what their thinking is uh, when it comes to if injuries happen, what do they do with players that have that fluidity of positions? And I don't think that's going to change. If there's an injury on the left side, the Lakin, I, he's definitely not moving. He's going to want, they're going to want to keep everybody where they are for the season, where they're comfortable, where they spent training camp, where they've taken all these reps uh, to get to where they are at that point. And, it would probably be very detrimental to themselves and to the offensive line, just moving everybody around just because they're, they can. And that's why they made these decisions now. Yeah. That's why when they signed Lakin in March, it was very quick afterwards. ABT is moving to right guard. And now he can sit there and he can go with the soonest training camp opens. You get Makai and George back in the building. George is the left tackle. Makai's the right tackle. That's it. Competition's over. Mm-hmm. Giving these guys time to get comfortable is the best thing they can do. And I don't want to hear about prestige. I don't want to hear about the the left tackle or right tackle being more important because the days in that in the NFL are over. There's monstrous pass rushers anywhere you look. Uh, they're, they're all over the place in the league right now. The talent level and really the talent gap between offensive lines and defensive lines in the NFL right now is, is, is insane because all of the most talented offensive linemen, when they are that physically talented, grow up and become defensive linemen. And they can't compete anymore. So if you can get guys that are solid in their spots and you can get guys, uh, we Jets fans know what one weak link can do. Look at what Greg Van Roten was last year and how that can affect your team, regardless of what side it's on. I'm glad that this has happened early. I think it's going to really help them overall. I don't want to put overarching giant expectations on these guys as a group because it's still going to be their first year together for two of the three of them or for two of the five of them. It's going to be their first year at new positions. Um, and you got another guy. It's his first year in the system. There's still a lot of new and a lot of, of continuity that needs to be built. But the Jets are giving these guys as much time as they physically can to do it. And you can't ask for more. So let me ask you a question. Uh we talked about how this group will need time to gel uh, and really get acclimated to new positions and being next to new players. And I was thinking, when should we expect them to really be in, you know, uh, in full swing being comfortable with each other? Uh, and let's say barring any injuries, if, if they're, they all stay healthy throughout training camp going into the season, what, What's your your time frame for when they're going to figure it out? I think they get four games. You get a month. And I think after that first month of the season, you know, it's not new anymore. You're, you're comfortable. You don't have the, the this new season rust that you're still shaking off. Your body's in playing shape. It's been in playing shape. You're used to practices every day. You've had more familiarity all through training camp. If after four weeks it looks like these guys really aren't on the same page and the communication is not there. That's when I'm going to start to get worried. 
because for Lake and Tomlinson in particular, is this a new team? Yes, but it's really not much of a new system. And it's slightly different. Obviously, I'm sure Michael Floor uh, has thrown his own wrinkles in from what Kyle Shanahan was doing. But at the ground principles, it's very similar. And he's going to have the same offensive line coach he had for a handful of years in San Francisco and John Benton as well. So it's not as new of a transition for him. Everybody else on the line has already been in this system for a year. So even Mackay, even though he didn't play, he went through all of training camp and he went through all of the offseason program at left tackle all set to go, learned all the calls, learned all the you know systems when he's been in the facility for the last month or so in between the break of OTAs and camp, like the Jets said, he was probably working with John Benton. They've had time to know what's going on. And a lot of these guys have played together already. So while yes, is it going to take some time to get comfortable? I think all of them are veterans. All of them have experience mostly with each other and they all have experience in the system. So if you can't shake that out after four weeks, I'm going to start getting a little worried. However, I think there's going to be a big difference between the offensive line succeeding and failing on the basis of communication and continuity or on some single players or others outperforming one another. Because if the communication is there, but as we've seen, you put Greg Van Roten in a spot where he has to succeed and fails, it doesn't matter if they got the call right. You still have to go execute it. So I'm looking for communication to start. And if the communication isn't there after four weeks, I'm going to be really worried. If the execution isn't there after four weeks, then I think you have a little longer to improve, but it's really going to depend on what the problem is. Yeah. I remember when looking back to last year, that first week, the communication was absolutely horrible. Uh, Twists and stunts were, were dumbfounding the, our offensive line. They had no answer. Uh, and the result was Zach being hurried almost every play. Uh, and I don't think it was until maybe around like week eight when our offensive line really started to settle down uh, or really after, not until we got rid of GVR from the starting lineup, did things really start to settle down. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't take that long. Uh, I, I think with this much talent uh, and if, uh, barring any injuries, I think, yeah, that four week mark should be what we're looking towards uh, as far as seeing these guys really start to communicate well. And yes, maybe uh, performance wise and execution uh, might be a little longer, but uh, I think as long as they're communicating, like you said, that should give Zach the, the help he needs uh, to really flourish with the weapons that he has. And with the talent this group has outright, if they are able to communicate effectively, they should be able to execute effectively as well. That That's kind of my assumption, is that I think it'll be kind of like an if-then situation, where if the communication is, is awful, obviously that's going to be its own right. But if the communication is good, that's going to help get guys in the right spot to start with, and that should give them an, an advantage towards winning their one-on-ones or winning their matchup and, and executing effectively. So I hope that that's going to be the case. And I'm glad, as we've said now multiple times, that these decisions were made early so that they can get these guys in, get them working, give them as much time to sort things out as possible. And I think that's going to lead us right into our next topic, which is the signing of linebacker Quan Alexander for the same reasons of mm -hmm. get this guy in that they wanted. They've been trying to sign for well before this uh, for weeks now. Get him involved, see what he can do, get him in the system around the other players and see who comes out on top because the linebacker position is one of the biggest questions on the team still. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I think no question bigger than how are they going to use all three of these guys with CJ, Quincy, or actually four guys really with CJ, Quincy, Quan, and Sherwood. Uh, we were kind of uh, not really suspecting Sherwood to be back this early. The fact that he wasn't even put on the pup list was extremely impressive. Uh, and I, we have to think that things are kind of in motion where they're looking toward, to, towards the future with uh, Sherwood and his position as maybe the heir apparent to CJ when he goes. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use all of these guys. Uh, and would you say that this position is now a strength? No, 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 I'm still not going to go that far. Um, I 
have not had the opportunity yet to sit down and watch Quan Alexander's most recent games and really break in, break him down. And so I can't, I'm not going to sit here and give my full opinion on how good or not good. I think he is compared to other people. Um, I will say overall players, if they're that good, don't sit of this available this long. Usually uh, they usually get signed pretty quickly. Um, every now and again, you'll have some quality guys last, but there's usually a reason for it. And it's usually because those guys are getting to pick where they go. I don't think this was much of a situation of Quan getting to pick where he goes as more so of pick where he goes between the teams that are still interested. Yeah. And the jets were one of those teams. He has familiarity with Robert Sala from San Francisco and Sala says himself, they brought him in because he's a great locker room player. He gives a lot of effort, a lot of strain as Sala says a lot. Um, Good communicator, knows the system. It's going to be able to help the young guys in the room, provide relief, can play uh, either Will or Sam, uh, being strong side or weak side linebacker. So, yeah, good addition to the room overall if he's capable of doing all of those things and he doesn't have to waste time learning a new defense for he's in a system that's already familiar. But is this going to be a strength now? I don't know because I'm still worried about CJ Mosley and how he's going to last throughout another whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hopeful for Quincy Williams' improvement. And I'm hopeful that, like we've said on the show before, the guys we have coaching our linebackers are some of the best in the league at it. So I'm confident that that's going to lead to improvement. But until I see it, it's a concern. And especially in this system with some of the teams that we play early in the year, those linebackers are going to be put to the test. They're going to have to get their hands dirty uh, and, and really come downhill and try and stop some really good running games. So I'm not quite ready to call it a strength. No, not yet. Uh yeah, there's still so many question marks. CJ's only one year removed from missing two years in a row. So, yeah. and it showed last year his ability to go 100% the entire season. Uh, and he really didn't come off the field at all. He was pretty much playing 100% in most of the games last year. Uh, and Quincy as well. He maybe only took a few plays off. Uh, and it seems like we're maybe around 60% in 60 to 70% in nickel. Uh, so when you factor yeah, that only two linebackers only two for linebackers. most of the time, but now I, what I was thinking was, is this because that's what they want to do? Or is it because they really didn't have anybody else to that? They really trusted to put out there in a base four, three set. I want to go a little deep on this real quick. If you don't mind, Matt, because Please. I have a, I have an interesting take and I want people to realize something specifically. I don't think it matters because the main difference between a nickel defense and a base defense for a four, three alignment is swapping out a linebacker for a slot corner. So outside of that, the fronts really aren't that different. It's still a four down front. You're going to have two linebackers instead of three, which can slightly change things depending on if you're in an over front and you're going to have that overhang linebacker on the strong side but usually the jets are in cover three or a single high look anyway. So they're going to have a safety in the box. Is that extra man, how it affects the defense structurally is almost non-existent. And really the only difference is, are you having another linebacker that's closer to the box? Because if an offense is in a three by one or a three receiver set, and they have three guys to one side of the field, that overhang linebacker is going to be widened out. Because if they they can't just leave the inside slot receiver uncovered and let them run dead up the seam for a wide open touchdown, that guy's going to have to expand and he's not going to be sitting there in the box like a traditional three stack linebacker four three set where all three of your linebackers are right behind your defensive line in in the uh, triangle, as they say, when you're looking at uh, from a def- an offensive perspective, looking at the linebackers in the corners, the defensive ends, the difference in the defense is really minuscule. And so I would rather, quite honestly, considering offenses running 11 personnel being three wide receivers more common than most others set in the league and the prevalence of the passing game, I'd rather have the slot corner on the field. And Mm -hmm. I'd rather have that guy that I can trust to cover those receivers one-on-one and deeper down the field than that extra linebacker who is going to be smaller and faster so he can be better in coverage and vice versa making him not as effective at stopping the run and taking on blocks and being a downhill sort of player. So unless that extra will Sam linebacker, whatever it is, is so good at coverage and stopping the run 
that it becomes an advantage to keep them on the field over a slot corner. I'd rather have the slot corner. And you got to remember, our slot corner is Michael Carter II, who's a really good run defender. Very good. Who's a great tackler in space, who's able to get off blocks and and chase down ball carriers. It's not like you're you're having this amazing drop-off in run defense by having him in the game over another linebacker. So I'm... I'm not worried about how it's going to affect things because I think the Jets are going to primarily play nickel because that's what offenses are doing in the NFL is spreading things out and throwing the ball. And you need to have three corners on the field to counter that. I don't think it's the, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. And I think it's just schematically, it's really easy to see why if you understand the schematics of, of football. Yeah. I, I completely see where you're coming from where structurally it doesn't matter. I think in the context of how it affects the linebackers, though, uh, it's definitely going to affect their snap count and how that's the bigger difference. Yes. So when we're talking about guys like Sherwood, who we expect to have a really big role going forward, is this a detriment to him in him getting the, the snaps that he needs to really develop? I think it's insurance. Because I think if you're looking at the Jets linebacker core overall, they're one injury away from having nothing but question marks. Mm -hmm. If CJ Mosley goes down early, you're looking at two guys that were safeties a year and a half ago, Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, and Marcel Harris. And uh, there's one other name that I keep forgetting that I know he's a reserve linebacker. He played a little bit last year. Delshawn Phillips. Delshawn Phillips, yes. And and Delshawn Phillips, that that's what you're looking at as your linebacking group. So I think this it, they needed a guy that could come in, and they're saying he could play Will or Sam because I think he could be insurance for Quincy if Quincy starts slow. If Quincy needs a breather, because as you said, CJ and Quincy played so many dang snaps last year that maybe they don't want to overwork those guys. Maybe they know CJ mostly ran out of gas towards the end of the year and they want to have another body in that can let him come off the field. And maybe they slide Quincy over to Mike and they put Quan in it with a will or the Sam and CJ takes a breather. Maybe they give Sherwood some snaps and relief of CJ to help that out. I think this just gives them more options. And I don't think it's so much a signal of Quincy Williams is bad and we're worried or CJ Mosley is going to be terrible or the linebackers are overall are, are awful and, and Sherwood's useless and, and he's not coming along and, and Nasrul Dean's not going to do anything. I don't think it's so much anything about that. I think it's insurance and opportunity to make the team better with a player that fit the system that already knows the system that the coaches are already familiar with and comfortable with. And it kind of just all aligned that they had a need for depth. And I just, I don't think it's anything more than that. I think it's a depth signing. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, just based off the contract, just based yeah. off of the the real no real uh, rush to get anything done. They, exactly. It, I feel like if it was such a need to get another starter on this defense at linebacker, they would have attacked it a lot earlier and with a lot more ferocity. So the fact that it's kind of been a thing that they've been trying to do. Uh, it didn't sound like anything that if it didn't happen, they would have been too bent out of shape about. Uh, so yeah, that, that kind of really points toward it being just depth, adding a guy that they know knows the system, uh, a guy that can step right in and use his vet leadership, uh, to really not have there be so much of a drop off if something were to happen to Quincy or CJ. Uh, so yeah. I, that's that's basically it. I I think that Quan uh, will will come in and he'll. I, I think we even said this before how Quan being here might not help as much on the field as it might off the field. How he really Absolutely. just brings a layer of leadership to this team that uh, him and CJ together uh, with uh, these young guys uh, can really just help the the whole group as a whole. Yeah. Uh, I, the last two points I want to make on this, uh, one of them, you just said veteran leadership. There really isn't any other veteran in the room outside of CJ. It's all a bunch of young guys and guys that have had a couple of years in the league, but not too much starting experience. So they needed somebody else that can be a leader, that can be a guy in the classroom to explain things, a person to go to as a young player to ask questions and to learn more about the transition. And another guy specifically for the two players that I want to highlight next 
and Jamie and Sherwood and Quincy Williams, that's a smaller, lighter linebacker that's played the position that these coaches and Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich have crafted and know how to coach so well under these same coaches. So it's the perfect guy to come in and tutor your young players, not to mention the Jets love Quincy Williams and Jamie and Sherwood. They love them. The coaching staff is obsessed with both of these guys. If you listen to any of them talk, Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich raved about Quincy Williams when he was first signed off waivers and how they both had great grades on him as a linebacker prospect, how they would have loved to work with him and draft him and develop him and and saw the potential that he had and knew that with their coaching prowess and how they can build guys up from the raw athletic talents they are, that they could have something really special. They loved him. Absolutely loved him. You flip over to Jamie and Sherwood. Jamie and Sherwood was the first defender ever drafted under Robert Sala. Point blank period. Their first pick on defense as a defensive coaching staff, as a defensive head coach. This was Jamie and Sherwood, and he was drafted to be their heir at middle linebacker. The future of their defense, the, the, the Fred Warner that they wanted to have. These guys aren't just going to be tossed aside because Quan Alexander is walking in at the end of July. No. They're not just going to be forgotten about. This isn't a, oh, we, we got Quan cool. Well, we don't have to worry about those guys anymore. No, not in the slightest. This is another guy to come in and help these two young players that they have a lot of asp- uh, hopes and aspirations for in the very near future. So like you said, Matt, it may not have too much of an impact on the field, but I think it's a lot more about the impact off the field as well as providing depth and insurance in case they have an injury at a position that's very contact heavy. Absolutely. Yeah, we can't have this myopic view that Quan coming in on a one-year contract means the end of Sherwood, or even no. Nazareth for that matter. No. Uh, they ha- still have two years under their belt uh, to, to really make a statement. Uh, so yeah, one year does not make uh, a decision to throw them out. No, not at all. I- and I don't think that one year of bringing in another player with familiarity in the system does it really says anything about their progress or otherwise, because the jets needed linebacker depth well before Quan Alexander was signed, whether they signed him or somebody else, they still needed depth of the position because they didn't have too much experience. Now they have more. It's as simple as that. All right, Matt, let's get things into our next topic here. We're going to talk about as the first week of camp has gone on, haven't gotten too much of an impression because we haven't aren't haven't seen anybody in pads yet, but we do have a pretty exciting rookie class uh, of 2022, and they've made some pretty great impressions overall on uh, their first little, little bit of training camp going throughout. Um, Sauce Gardner in particular has been getting mm. rave reviews from oh, everybody yeah. in that building and how his practice uh, at habits and his efforts in the classroom, his uh, willingness to ask questions and learn how he wants to hone his own technique and be the best. And he will has no selfishness or or uncomfortability learning to be the best. And I think that's a really important tool. Garrett Wilson's made a handful of great plays looking just as athletic and, and shifty as he's always been. Uh, Jermaine Johnson has been getting pressures again, no pads. It's really hard to tell about that. But Anybody in the the defensive line room that you ask about him seems to love him. Uh, Interesting note I heard from the first bit of press conferences all summer, Jermaine Johnson was training with Quinn and Williams and he blew Quinn and Williams away where if Quinn and Williams is calling you an outright animal, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put my hopes that this guy knows what he can, (laughs) what he can do. And and so that was a great sign. Brees Hall had a great run the other day. Um, We've seen Ruckert apparently is getting healthier, which many of us, including myself, didn't expect to be the case. Um, Michael Clemens is getting some reps on special teams. Mac, Max Mitchell's working his way in uh, at tackle. It seems like all of these guys are having a great camp. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, one thing that really stuck out to me uh, was Gardner working with Zach. It yes. sounds like after every practice, they get together. And before. And, they're and the before. first two on the field. And start comparing notes and making each other better. That I love. The fact that as a rookie, he can just step in right away and not only tries to improve himself, but is even trying to improve the other side of the ball. And that alone just speaks volumes to the the character of this guy uh, and to the the type of player he's going to be and teammate he is. I was blown away by that. Uh, and also Gardner, uh, not Gardner, uh, also uh, Garrett Wilson. 
uh, I remember, I think it was Connor Hughes was talking about how in OTAs, it looked like he was just getting acclimated uh, and he was just thinking a little too much, but you could see uh, the physical uh, greatness that is Garrett Wilson. And then now that we're in training camp, he's starting to blossom a little bit more. And you can start to see that he is really putting together exactly what you kind of expected from him. Uh, he's showing a lot of athletic ability, uh, the physical prowess, prowess uh, going up for the ball and in tight coverage and, and just making tough plays. It's a lot of what we saw in Ohio State that we really admired going into the draft process. His body control, all of it, it just yep. is starting to come together. Uh, which sort of signifies that he's kind of thinking a little less and he's just playing. Uh, so, yeah, these, these two guys really uh, are, are the spotlights that I, I want to highlight. Yeah, they've been probably the biggest headliners. Um, wait for pads to come on, and I think you're going to see some Jermaine Johnson headlines start flying too. Mm-hmm. But, but no doubt, Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner have been great, and that's all you can hope for. Uh, for these guys coming into their roles, they're expecting to play significant snaps, very likely starter roles uh, throughout most of the season. And they're going to they knew from the start that that was the case. And they had uh, a lot of uh, a lot on their shoulders to come in and, and set the tone and be leaders of this team very early. And they've added granted, the team has added a lot of veteran leadership this offseason, but they've also added a lot of guys that can be rookie leaders and leaders for the future. And that's one thing that I really want to point out. Um, really with the top four picks, with the opportunity that they've had, all of them were excellent leaders in college. All of them. All of them were some of the stars of their respective teams, if not the biggest name on their entire team, uh, one of the biggest names on their entire team. They had the spotlight on them at all times. And not once at any point do any of these guys from anyone you've ever spoken to that has been around them or anyone that's just covering them in general. Do you hear that any of the guys that we drafted are bad leaders, bad teammates, people that only care about the spotlight, don't love football, aren't doing it for the right reasons. You've heard nothing but the opposite. And it's showing in the early results where they drafted not only players that are supreme athletes, but they're supreme people that's going to take them a very long way. And I think none more so than Sauce Gardner, like you said. To be the first player on the field with your second-year quarterback, to know how important it is for the team for him to succeed, to have the confidence to think that you might be able to offer him something while also having the humility to learn from him and ask questions. He knew his role. And he knows that his role in flipping this team around that won four games last year goes well beyond just playing good coverage. That sort of awareness is huge. Garrett Wilson, anytime I've heard Garrett Wilson speak, I'm absolutely blown away with how analytical and intelligent and and considerate and attentive to detail that he is in everything, everything, where he's always able to remember the nuances and, and see how what he does affects other people and what he can do to get better as showing on the field. Elijah Moore got the rave reviews the year before over. This is the character guy. This is the guy that's going to come into your team and he's going to be a leader and he's going to do things the right way. And, and he knows he's going to be a pro. We're not worried about Elijah Moore. He's going to be a great pro. Elijah Moore loves Garrett Wilson. It says he reminds him of himself when he was coming in a year ago where he'd ask a lot of questions. He had a drive to be the best. He knew he had the physical talent, but that wasn't good enough. He wanted to learn as much as he can and learn from the guys around him, not just compete with them and get in their way. There's not much more you can ask. I already alluded to Quinnen Williams and Jermaine Johnson and how uh, he seems to have impressed the heck out of Quinnen Williams and just training and his attitude and how hard he trains and, and how passionate he is and how violent he is as a defensive lineman. This I'm overjoyed. <laughs> I, I, the, that's basically what I'm trying to say here is that we said when it happened, this could be a transformative draft class, that this could be a, a generational draft class, a draft class that propels the Jets. When we look back in in 10 years after the Jets have had, you know, years of playoff runs and Super Bowl appearances and all of that, God willing. And we're looking back and say what finally changed. We said it could be 2022. I think we're going to be right. I, yeah, I think so too. 
and yeah, like, even us just saying that how it could be a transformative draft. I think that those first three picks, they have come together themselves and yep. really recognized what they need to do, who they are to this team, uh, and the the camaraderie that they've just built in such a short period of time. They have stepped right in right away, and they're holding each other to it too. And the way that they talk about each other, it's like these guys have been playing with each other their entire lives. And they, they trained all spring together at Exos yep. in Texas. They all knew each other beforehand. Yeah, uh, it, the, the, it's just amazing how they've been able to do so much in such little time uh, and really just build a foundation for this team going forward. Uh, and that's what they're going to be looked at as uh, a foundation. And one guy Absolutely. we haven't really been, we haven't talked about is Hall as well. Uh, and he is blowing people away as well. As He's, advertised. Him and Carter already look like a dynamic duo that's been doing it together for, for years. Uh, I know it's it's still early and there hasn't been any hitting, but they just don't look like they're going through a lot of the the growing pains that we've seen uh, from other players that uh, have yep. have stepped in as rookies with a lot of expectations. Uh, they are stepping up to the plate, and it's going to be fun seeing them go forward. Absolutely. It, it absolutely is. And I don't want to attribute everything into whether a player succeeds or fails to this one aspect because it goes well beyond just one thing. We're very clear about that. But I do think that this has something to it. When you are a rookie coming in with high expectations and you go about your business the right way, the veterans want you to succeed. They want you to thrive. They want you to, to be a good player. It's, you're on their team. They want to be good. They want to win, especially on a team that hasn't won very much. So you look at a guy like Brees Hall, like you said, and Michael Carter, where Michael Carter is sitting here going, I played well as a rookie. I'm getting ready to go into year two and establish myself as the lead back. Oh, crap. Here's Brees Hall with the 35th <laughs> overall pick. Michael Carter's not upset. Michael Carter's not angry. He's not holding anything against Brees or not helping him or, or being someone that he can lean on. He's trying to be the best teammate that he can and help him compete. And if Brees Hall came in with an attitude of, oh, I walked in, I was the 35th pick. I'm taking your job so well. Oh, well, look at me. I'm Mr. You know, Iowa State rusher of the year. Michael Carter's not going to give Brees all the time of day. He's not going to care. He's going to do everything he can to, to make it harder on him to succeed and not give his job up. That hasn't happened. That hasn't happened for any of these guys. That to me says they all came in and had the right attitude from the jump that they came in and worked. They came in attentive to detail, trying to improve. They weren't overconfident in themselves. You got to have confidence. And you got to be confident in your own abilities, but they knew that they still had to learn and they had the humility to be willing to learn and lean on the guys that were already there, not try and get in their way. And that goes a long way. That goes a long way in succeeding. And I've said it a lot over the last couple of months, but this doesn't feel like a team that won four games last year. That's a big reason why, because you have guys like these rookies that all came in and all put their heads down and grinded. And you've heard that from every other member of the team that's asked about them. The rookie class has been great. They came in, they've done the work, they put in the work, they're grinding hard. They're not getting in anyone's way. They're asking the right questions. They're trying to improve. They know their role. Can't ask for much more. And when you get the right people, it, eventually the Jets have just are going to amass enough talented people that are physically talented and quality people off the field that they're going to have to start succeeding. It's just too much quality in one spot for it not to work. Is there any way that these guys don't turn out the way we think? Like it, it for some reason, like it, it just seems different. But the Jets fan in me ha that has seen so much heartache over the years it just also makes me worried. Like, is this too good to be true? Are these guys not actually as good as we think? Are they really just uh, flashing right now, but really in the long run are just never going to pan out? And uh, like every ounce of energy in my body is saying is trying to push that that those thoughts away. But at the yeah. same time, is it possible? I guess it's it's got to be possible, but is it likely? Anything is possible, but but I don't think it's likely. And I think this is the difference where you're going to have guys on this team now 
where the leaders that are, are pulling the weight that are trying to get the rest of the team behind them and motivated one, they're not trying to, they're not having to pull as hard because guys are already motivated and they're internally motivated and they don't need to have some leader in the locker room or a coach come in and yell at them and tell them to do their job. That's a big part of it. But the other part of it is that when things get tough, you're going to have the stability and the confidence and, and the talent to avoid it spiraling. And I think that's what we've seen with the Jets for years is that there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of excitement. They get, you know, really high up on themselves and then reality hits and it's a crash and it's a free fall. And it's like you're, you're, they're spinning and they're looking around and they just keep getting blown out. And no one knows what's going on. You're going to have guys in the room that have been doing this for long enough, that are talented enough, that are good enough leaders to where even if they haven't been in the league for a long time, have been around programs that have succeeded and, and have been built up that are going to sit there and make everyone take a breath and reset and say, guys, we got the talent. We don't, we're good. We just need to get, get our T's and Q's crossed and, and we can write this ship and we don't need to let this be a complete and total disaster. I think they have enough talent to prevent that from happening. In years past, you could have had the leaders saying those exact things, but they can't pull up guys that are practice squad players on other teams to be all pros. Yeah. It's just going to be impossible. There's so much talent on this team now that you can rally, that you can surprise somebody, you can rebound. And I think that there's going to be, from the outside perspective of the league looking in, teams that underestimate the Jets because they don't realize that there's as much talent on this roster as there is. And that's going to work to their advantage. I just, I can't see it. I just can't see it failing. And you're right. The the Jets fan dread in me is sitting here going, what am I not seeing that's so obvious that it's not going to work or, or what's going to be the, the problem that falls from the sky that ruins everything. And we're right back at square one, but I can't find one and I can, and I keep trying, but I can't find one. It's just, they're going at the very least. I can say with full confidence in my heart, the jets are about to be average at least at least like, and I haven't been able to say that for a very long time. See that I think in years past we get excited about the starters, uh, and then we really don't pay as much attention about the depth. And we know that this is a league where injuries are a hundred percent. And the best fifty-three wins the Super Bowl, not the best twenty-two, not the best starting twenty-two. So, and years past injuries always happen and it's all about who can fill in it reminds me of the the movie glory at the end where they're about to storm the fort and they ask uh if the, this guy holding the flag falls who will pick up the flag and some guy i will and Ooh. i feel like we finally have that team where we have the depth where if we do lose some starters here and there and we most likely will we have the depth almost everywhere to really fill in but of course i am still worried about two spots and that's tackle and interior defensive line where i don't see the depth there but yeah, you the know what there's still a question still a question uh hopefully they they maybe bring in another tackle maybe they bring in another interior def- defensive lineman but like if if fant or beckton goes down right now I am scared. If Quinnen Williams goes down, I am scared. <laughs> so as much as I am hopeful uh, and looking forward to seeing how the rest of the team meshes and performs on the field, those two positions scare the hell out of me. And I think that's, those are the pain points right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a worry. And, and we've definitely talked about it before. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because it's still a worry and it's going to be a worry until they either show improvement from the guys that they have or add in other players uh, to fill in those spots to round the depth out. But it's it's a concern. And it's like you said, one injury in the wrong spot could really create problems. But I also think the other difference between even if that does happen and if it happened in years prior, like we said, they have the depth and other spots to where the team is so talented to where 
they can compensate a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's not like last year where the defense was devoid of talent and couldn't stop a nosebleed. And one of our tackles got hurt in Morgan Moses and we had to put a relief out on the other side and it really hurt the offensive line. And the offense really, really struggled more so than they already were. We've seen Elijah Moore goes down. Corey Davis was already struggling, had injuries off and on. He eventually goes down and really without Elijah Moore, everything changed. Braxton Berrios becomes the number one receiver. There's been, we've seen it happen and it can affect the team in really, really short order. But I think overall, the team is so talented that they should be able to win games off that alone, where there's going to be some weeks where our corner group is so strong that they just lock everyone down. They get a pick six thrown in there that wins the game by seven and they go out and do it themselves. There's going to be some weeks where our defensive line wins the game with pass rushing and they rack up seven or eight sacks in a game and the opposing quarterback has nowhere to go like the Tennessee game. And one good play from Zach Wilson seals it. There's, It's not going to be all on one position's shoulders anymore. Yeah. It's not going to be like in years past where if the defense doesn't force three and outs every play, they have no chance of winning. Or if the offense can't rush for 100 yards every game, they're not going to have a shot. They have other spots to where if one position group is not at their full strength, others can step in, and they haven't been able to do that for a long time. On top of that, this is the first year in, I want to say, going back to before Todd Bowles was the coach of the Jets, that they have had the same offensive offensive and defense coordinator and head coach two years in a row. Continuity counts. Continuity absolutely counts. It, 100,000%, it absolutely counts. You saw the Jets offense. I think Bulls had a different offensive coordinator every year he was a head coach. That offense kept flipping around. Casey Rogers spent a couple of years as defensive coordinator. I don't remember if he finished as the defensive coordinator under Todd Bulls, but I remember I'm pretty sure there was a time when he was fired. Adam Gase was swapping players in and out. Um, I think maybe Greg Williams might have been the same year, but can we really even count Gase? Uh, and his system as as quality <laughs> coaching if anything two years of bad coaching is even worse so i'm um, yeah i'm i think there's fail safes now that this team hasn't had in a long time and the rookie class is going to be part of that because if one of the tackles goes down max mitchell might have to play earlier than people think and that might not be ideal but i'll tell you what for a fourth round pick you can do a lot worse at offensive tackle than max mitchell based on the tape that i've watched yeah and and if, if he had to throw in and start in a, in a pinch, I'd be a heck of a lot more concerned of some other guys that got drafted ahead of him. So you're comfortable there. I think Michael Clemens at 6'4 and 270 plus pounds, if you absolutely needed him to move inside for some pass rushing snaps, I think he could do it. Is he going to be the best run stopper? No. Mm-hmm. But I think if you get into a position where Quinnen has to move other roles and can't be in that three tech role as much as you want him to, or JFM gets hurt and he can't be in that role. Could Michael Clemens do it in a pinch? Yeah. I think he's got the talent too. I think he's got the size in the frame and you got Vinnie Curry. They have fail safes and the continuity is going to be a big boost as well. I I just, I, I can't, I don't know what the problem is going to be, but I can't find one. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the amount of talent that they've stockpiled uh, just really speaks to uh, JD's understanding of how to build a team and what a team needs to really be successful in the long run, to really battle injuries and the, 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 the tests that a full season will, will uh, have for teams. It's, I, I don't know what to expect, but yeah, I agree with what you said before. At worst, they're average. Yeah, at worst, they're average. That, that's about all I can hope for. Um, that's all about what I'm expecting. Thinking ahead, uh, again, like as we get closer and closer, I'm sure we'll have some official record predictions of us going game by game and, and trying to figure things out. But this feels like a team to me that at worst is going to win seven games. And and seven and 10 doesn't sound great on paper, but where the Jets have been for the last five or six years, seven and 10 doesn't sound too bad. Mm-hmm. That's improvement. That's improvement. That's a step in the right direction. And you're hoping 2023, you're knocking on the door. 
So I'm I'm excited. Uh, speaking of excitement, let's go ahead and round things out here with some things we expect as pads come on officially this week. We went through our first week of camp. We've gone over the the rough impressions on how things are looking, but it's really all going to start mattering today, uh, being Monday, where the pads finally come on. We get some contact practices. Matt, what are you most looking forward to as the pads come on? Uh, I'm looking forward to these guys staying healthy. <laughs> most of all, yes, uh, we've we've kind of been happy so far no, nobody's really uh been injured too bad i think quinnon took a, a karate chop to the throat and that put a pit in my stomach for a little bit uh but at, thanks, for the most thanks, part Connor Hughes. yeah <laughs> for, for the most part i think it's been pretty good but with pads means more hitting more physicality and more risk of injury so i am going to be on pins and needles just look dreading the 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 tweet saying oh somebody's on the on the on the ground and not getting up uh so i am looking forward to a mostly docile uh training camp with pads on where <laughs> there aren't too many injuries please hopefully yeah uh, uh, hope and pray to the football gods that they can walk out of camp healthy is that's going to be the biggest factor and that would be that would be the problem of the ones we can't find uh yeah. would be that um Definitely first thing, first things first, staying healthy for me. And I alluded to it earlier. God, I can't wait to see Jermaine Johnson in pads. Oh, right. I cannot wait to see him in pads fully unleashed where he's had time to learn this system. He's had time to hone his technique with Aaron White Cotton, the defensive line coach with Robert Sala himself, where he's going to be put in the positions and have the other talent around him on this defensive line to give him one-on-ones. I think everyone's about to see why the Jets had him rated as the eighth overall player in the draft. Robert Sala called him the most pro-ready pass rusher in the draft for a reason. I'm giddy with excitement to see what Jermaine does when the pads come on, because I I don't know about you, Matt, and looking at his press conferences and everything, he looks bigger than he already did. (laughs) I didn't didn't know that was possible because I already thought that he had the most athletic-looking 250-pound frame I had ever seen, and he looks even bigger. I, might I be, can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I can't wait. He's going to be a monster. Even on the other side of the ball, I can't wait to see Becton and the whole offensive line in pads. Uh, Absolutely. It sounds like they're ahead of the game uh, as far as run blocking. Uh, so with pads on, I, I really want to see them uh, push push these guys around that we know are no joke that we just talked about with Clemens and Johnson and Lawson and Quinnen and this entire group that of stars. Uh, in the making and already the seeing our jumbo offensive linemen really go at it with them. Yeah. I think it's going to be a a real fun show. Uh, I think you're going to have a really exciting training camp to watch and the battle in the trenches is going to be a big reason why Um, I need Jermaine Johnson. If by some grace of God, Jermaine, you're listening to this, please just announce if 52 is your actual number. So I can order a Jersey (laughs) just it's July. It's almost August. Like it is August as people are listening to this, please. It'd be pretty cool. Just saying uh, 52 is an awesome number. Same <laughs> as Khalil Mack. That's who I comped him to pre-draft. It all fits, you know, d- no rush, but, but rush. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, speaking of rookies, uh, I, I'm really excited for sauce Gardner to get pads on and we can see what his press technique really does. Oh yeah. Hey. Because he hasn't even really gotten to fully unleash what he's best at yet. And he's already getting rave reviews. I, I saw like one clip of him working on hand placement with uh with a coach uh who's and he definitely looked all six three uh of himself and just like, six three and just lifting the coach up like it was a small child and I was like Whoa, all right <laughs> it, it gave me like uh some some football feelings that uh, I haven't felt in a while Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be great for Garrett Wilson, too, because week one, you got the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are going to get in your mouth as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're starting outside corners are Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. They're getting in your face. So you better learn to get off jams. You better learn to, to win at the line and, and get through some strong press coverage. So having a guy in Sauce Gardner that's so talented at it that's going to be able to now be fully unleashed and hone his own technique it's only going to help garrett wilson too so i'm yeah i'm really excited for that i think that's that matchup in particular is going to be even even more beneficial for both players than it already was iron sharpening iron absolutely 
Absolutely. Matt, you got anything else for, for campus pads come on that you're real excited for? Uh, I just want to see Zach also improve. Uh, he's been up and down a little bit, uh, as to be expected. It's going to be up and down for a little bit. Uh, but I want to see less thinking, more doing, and more efficiency from him. Uh, it will go a long way for the overall success of this offense and team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, definitely want to see improvement from Zach. Uh, from what we've heard, that's what has been happening is that he's been putting time in. Obviously, he got his body right. He's been one of the first players in the facility every day, as we mentioned, and he's more comfortable with the pro, uh, play calls. Seems that everyone who was on the team last year that's back says that same thing, that he seems more confident. He's got the calls down. He's able to correct himself. You know, all things we're hoping to hear. Um, oh, yeah. That's, what, who, that's, what was it that, uh, uh, that McGovern said? How sometimes it, it seemed like he was just futzing around in the in the, the huddle uh, and, and now he seems yeah, like it was it wasn't he wasn't as confident in himself before and now when he comes in and he's he's making the call and he's speaking it's more demanding and it's more direct and and there's more confidence behind it as a whole um yeah however McGovern uh, went about it that was pretty much what I remember from from his comments uh but that's yeah. pretty much echoing what everybody else has said is that he just seems more comfortable overall. I really thought it was interesting hearing from Michael Floor uh, when he went on the official Jets pod where he was talking about what Zach learned and what he didn't learn. And I don't want to go too much on a tangent with this because we are trying to wrap up, but he was talking about how in their system and how it's progression-based, mm-hmm. where most of the concepts are going to be funneled to one side of the field, generally, not every concept, but usually. and for that reason, Zach and any quarterback in this system doesn't have to worry themselves over the entirety of the landscape of what's going on around them to where if the concept is mainly to a quarterback's right, why should he care about what the coverage on the left is? Why should he care about what the safety on the left is doing or expanding to? Unless there's some specific alert it built into that play, but in this scenario, that's not the case. And so what Michael Floor was explaining was, Last year, Zach Wilson wanted to know everything Mm. and that he seems he kind of overloaded himself with information, trying to learn things that didn't matter to him in that moment to where if he's calling a play, like I said, that's designed to the right side of the field and meetings, he'd ask, well, what happens if the safety on the left buzzes here, does something else? And and Michael Ford kind of sat there and said, like, dude, you don't need to care about that. You just need to care about what's going on over here. And now as he's gone into year two, he's more focused on where he needs to take his eyes and what defenders he has to focus on on a play-by-play basis to where he's not stressing himself as much about what's going on outside of that little box. And it's allowing him to process faster. I think that's huge because there's a saying among quarterbacks as you don't know what you don't know yet. And what that means is that you don't know what you still need to learn. And that you can't learn what you need to learn because you don't even know what you need to learn. Zach Wilson's now learned that he's past that stage to where he knows, okay, this is my play. This is my concept. I can cheat. I don't need to worry about the backside safety. If I'm running a flood concept to the front side, because by the time I get to my check down, he's going to be on the side of the field. Anyway, the safety's not going to care. It allows him to speed up his process at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. It allows him to speed up his processing post-snap. That's what growing into being an NFL quarterback is. And to hear that from Michael Floor was like bells going off in my head. Being like, yes, that's what you want to hear. That's what we've been waiting for. That's been the difference. That's when my gold standard for young quarterbacks right now is Joe Burrow. That's what Joe Burrow is. That's why Joe Burrow is so calm under pressure. That's why it seems like Joe Burrow always is an answer for everything because he always knows what I need to focus on and when, and when it's time to move on. Zach Wilson getting better at that is a huge, huge step. Yeah. I mean, in essence, Zach played like a rookie because he was a rookie. And now everything is screaming growth. All the arrows are pointing up and now it's just time to, to see it, and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. I am so excited for this official camp. Uh, we got preseason games. I want to say the first preseason game is when? This Thursday? Is it? Is, no. It's either, it's either this Thursday or next Thursday. It's it's way sooner than I thought it was. The Hall That'd of Fame game is coming up. It, I, the Hall of Fame game is coming up very fast. It, it's If it is not this coming Thursday, then it is guaranteed next Thursday. I promise you. 
It's real soon. Wow. We're about to have, yeah, it's almost here. We're about to have some real football, uh, live action, brand new games coming very, very soon. I'm sure we're going to be back with our game breakdowns as the season goes on, covering every game in detail, uh, reviewing hopefully a much improved jet season in 2022 as opposed to 2021. Uh, yeah, August 4th is the, the, the Hall of Fame game. This Thursday. Yep, that's this Thursday. Holy hell. Wow. Yep. Uh, that's exciting. Pre- preseason is here. We are officially in the beginning of the 2020 season after the most hype-filled summer I can remember in a quite a long time. So yeah. make sure you guys are sticking it right here. We're going to be covering everything as the season goes on. Uh, let's go ahead and drop our handles. Call it a day. I'm Matt. You can find me on Twitter at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17, as well as you guys can follow the show at OKD Podcast. Make sure you guys are staying up there with the latest updates, and we will be back real soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.